They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarasha. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. I say this all the time. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. It's a lot of gray hair. It's there and it's never going away, Kay Murphy. My gray hair is never going away. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Talking with Tarashuk, the Talking with Tarashuk podcast with me. Will Tarashuk, my consistent theme of the past few weeks of talking to friends and family or whoever else I know personally in the real world, continues with the one, the only, my co-host, partner in crime on the Kings of the Rings podcast, among so many other titles, which I can't wait to get into. The one, the only, Kay Murphy. Kay, how are you, my love? I'm so happy to see you. I'm so excited to be here, especially since last night's KOTR did not go so well for me. <laughs> what What happened to you? Your internet just cut. I forgot to ask you, is your internet okay now? Oh, it's more okay than it was last night. Right, I'll I take it. I, I genuinely don't know what was going on last night. Like, it was just mad spotty. And then it got to a point where I just never came back. I'm like, I am not fighting this all night. Mm. So I, I'm like, I'm just going to just die and let them have a good show without having to worry about patching me back in every 10 minutes. Mm. So, yeah, hopefully today will be better. Um, today's been chaotic as fuck. Well, okay. so, like, run it down. Tell me about it. Um, today was my day off, but like classic, but it did not feel like a day off because my body and my brain is still very much, excuse me, adjusting to coming back from the Bahamas last week. Um, I've been home a week already and my body is fucked up. My concept of sleep is fucked up. Um, so I've been catching up all day because I have not cleaned or done anything productive. I did like a month's worth of laundry yesterday that I put away today and I cleaned. And then I drove to Long Island with my friend to go pick up a grocery order and then came home from Long Island to do a work meeting. I had to do a consultation for a graphic design project via texts and Zoom could not happen. And now I'm here. Jeez, Kay. You know, I thought my day was chaotic. You know, I, I just woke up standard time. Uh, worked for a little bit at home and then went straight into the office. And you know, I'm going, I'm going back to Miami for this work conference, right? When and, are you going? Uh, April 11th to the 15th, something like that. It's like the second or third week in April. Okay. Um, when you go to Miami, you need to go to this place called, I think it was called like El Sandwich. That's where I got the Cuban. Mm. It's in Little Havana. Okay. I have no idea where I'm staying in Miami, but I'll, I'll make sure to write that down. But uh, we're like setting up equipment. It's like, it's a three camera shot, the panel lights and like so many HDMI cords and extension cords. So it's like setting that up, testing it out, breaking it down, doing the regular job, coming home, cooking a little bit and then chilling and getting ready for this podcast. So it's been a crazy day, but came oh, we, sure. we have a lot of crazy days. And typically how I like to start these podcasts with people I know in real life is just like, you know, how did we meet each other? Is and this the first guest game? Kind of, a little bit of the first guest game. I mean, we can't talk about wrestling because I don't. You've never, you've never actually played the first guest game, I don't think. If we yes, can, I have. You have? Yes, I have. Oh, we can always rehash I wasn't it. always. That's why you were a we guest can do first. A new, yeah, I forget. I was a guest all the time. I feel like I've just been. It's been a few years, but when it, I actually met you in person, was it the weekend of Evolution? That was the very yes. first time? The first time I met you and Ricky in person was Evolution. So it was October 2018. So almost four years. Yeah, isn't that wild? I know. And four then I. I joined the show. This year will be three years on the podcast for three me. Three years. On KOTR. In April, no? May. May, right? Oh mm -hmm. my God, three years. I feel like I just joined and so much has fucking changed for all of us since. It really is wild. Yeah, I went through, I went through, I was unemployed. I had this job and I'm doing the company. It's funny because literally that weekend after we met, I literally went into work that Monday and got let go. Like I you remember, got fired that week. Yeah, it was that week because we it uh it was October twenty eighth was Evolution. That was mm -hmm. a Saturday or Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, mm -hmm. and then um, it was that Tuesday because the day before Halloween. So isn't that wow. wild? Came every day I meet you in person. The day my life changes literally forever. <laughs> well, 
I'm glad something good came out of it. Well, a lot, a lot has happened even between the two of us. Cause I mean, you moved, I moved twice. Mm-hmm. Is this your first time, um, away from home? Technically, I lived in an apartment with my ex-boyfriend like many years ago, but I lived five minutes away from my parents. Okay. So, so kind of. Yes, but kind of. So I've I've experienced, I moved out of my parents' house the first time I was 20, um, which stupid, fucking stupid. I dated a, a, this guy. We went to high school together. We dated for four years. Terrible. That man fucked me up. And I moved in with him less than a year into the relationship. Um but I lived five minutes away from my parents' house. So when I, when shit hit the fan and I left him, I was literally able to just put my shit in my car and just drive five minutes up the road. Mm. So I moved to Astoria. I've been here seven months already. Like no seven. Yeah. No way. Uh huh. Yeah. I moved in August. Because That's right. It was right after your, right after your birthday and right after the, right uh, before my, no, I moved right before my birthday. Okay. I moved three weeks before I turned 30. Because also Frank's age correlates with how long I've been in Astoria. Oh, you're uh, because you're a lizard. My bearded dragon. Your bearded yeah. dragon. Shout out to Frank. Frank Tortellini, the man, the goat, the living legend. So I got him in September of 2021 and mm-hmm. he was a month. I got him mid September. So he was a month and a half old when I got him. So based on math, he was born the week I moved to Astoria. Mm-hmm. So I observe his birthday on the August 1st. This is observed birthday, which is also the anniversary of me moving here. Mm-hmm. So literally yeah, two days ago, I guess was the first. And I was like, Frank is seven months old today that I'm like, I've been here seven months. Literally my life is so different, completely fucking different than it was this time last year. It's wild. It's wild. Okay. Like literally this in the few years we've known each other, it's how much we've both grown so much. Yeah. You know, you recently finished your bachelor's, right? Like year, year, no. year and a half ago. I still have not finished my bachelor's. Because your associates then. No, I had a, I have a bunch of certifications and random shit. Okay, certification random shit. Okay, who was? So I, I know someone who got their bachelor's. Dave. Dave. No, that I know Dave. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave's a complete different story. But it was like someone very recently went back and got something. I thought it was you. I, I guess I'm mistaken. Well, I, no, I, you're correct in the fact that I, I started school again for my bachelor's, but right. I'm currently once again on pause because I can't afford it. Mm. So like I'm, I've been studying psychology at Southern New Hampshire university, but I went on pause in December mm-hmm. because not for nothing, trying to pay for this wedding in Georgia is killing me because in the wedding is next month. I went to, I was just in the Bahamas for the bachelor party. And then the month before I was in Georgia for the bridal shower. So I'm traveling three times in like three months mm-hmm. and it's a lot. It's only so I'm one. like, how many weddings you got this? I got three. Um, this year, this, the only wedding I'm in this year is Mike and Danielle. And then I'm in one wedding next year. Okay. And you had one last year. Yes. And the year before Oh my! and God. the year before, well, um, every year, one of my friends have gotten married. Um, technically now I am technically next. Like in terms of people and relationships, like I'm the most recent person to get in a relationship and they're like three of the dudes are single, but in terms of the girls, I will be last. like the feminine energies of the group. I will be last, mm-hmm. but like kind of glad for it because three of them were engaged at the same time. Yeah. What do mean that? I don't know. It's, it's gone to the point where like my grandmother is starting to ask me when I'm getting engaged and, uh, She's like, William, you're turning 27 now. Like, when are you and Jasmine getting married? I'm just like, Mimi, we haven't been, we haven't been dating two years. Like, slow your roll, all right? <laughs> Simmer down. Not happening anytime soon. How long would you wait to, before you proposed? You know? Whether or not Jazz or somebody else. Uh, well, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be me. We are very a traditional, um, I guess, cis, cisgendered relationship. That's that's heteronormative. I don't know this. Okay, so camera. We're gonna get, we're gonna get into a lot of these terminologies too, because that's what I love about you. Um, so we're very traditional. So I'm definitely gonna be the one doing it. Um, but I've been thinking. I thought about this for a long time growing up. Honestly, camera between you and me and everyone listening mm-hmm. to this, I always thought I was gonna be married by now. I thought, like, as a kid, I thought I'd be married with a kid by 27 years old. Me and, too. And now that I'm actually 27 years old, it's just like, I'm not having a kid until I'm, like, 37 years old. Um, 
but to answer your question, how long would I want to do it? I'd probably, I'd probably say at least four years before I actually did it. Okay. Like that's good. I, 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 I know there's no proper answer to this question. How long should you wait before you get married? Like there, when you know, you know, Mm-hmm. Is this for me personally? I think four years is enough time for me to know. I'm sure I'll know before then, but still wait yeah. four years because I have it in my brain that four years is a good enough time. That's good though that you're like that you take it seriously and that you're taking the time to figure out like plus get your shit together. Yeah. Even though I feel like in this economy, there's no right time to get married or have children because we will never be financially good for it. Right. Because capitalism. Right. Yeah. Um but like I'm now 30 and dating in your thirties is very different than dating in your twenties. Like my partner and I, like we've been together for like two months, but like we've already had the, like my partner um, is uh, going, uh, they just got divorced. So like they've been married before. So like we, I've obviously had that conversation. Like, do you want to get married again? Like, and they do. Um, And we both are on the same page of marriage and children and all these things. Mm -hmm. So like, you have to have these discussions as the older you get. All right. So you and your partner, okay, because I know you are non-binary, but how much, how else do you identify, I guess, when it comes to your sexuality? So gender and my son, gender and sexuality, they're two different things. Right. So not me being non-binary, that refers to my gender identity. Right. So for those of y'all who don't know what that means, non-binary is pretty much you don't fall, you don't identify with either end of the binary being, you know, male or female. The way I like a good visual that I like to describe my gender, say you're in a school gym, like the high, imagine your high school gym. They, the wall is taken down. You know, the wall that would separate the gyms. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. It's like, so, it's, like one class, one side, one class in the other. It's an yep. extendable wall. Yep. So the extendable wall is open. You have the boys class on one side of the gym and then you have the girls class on the other side of the gym. So you have to go pick where you, what side you're on. I'm running in a circle between them yelling. Yeah. You had, you had, you had half court just running in a circle. Yeah. So like, I feel that I personally like gender, like I don't identify any, like, I don't feel I'm not like a woman. I'm not a man. I just very much, I'm just K like, even though very often I can look like um, a cis woman, I don't look fucking straight in any capacity. No, um, <laughs> you're wearing rainbow oh, rainbow glasses. Yeah, they're my blue light blockers. Um, I mean, I literally have been reflecting on my life lately and I have the gayest life possible. I talk to more trans people in a day than I do cis people. Like my partner is also non-binary. So, mm. so they are not like, from like the outside looking in, like they look mad masculine. I look mad kind of femme. So like we would look like to the unknowing person, like we'd look like a cis couple, mm-hmm. but like we are not. And honestly, it's made it so much easier because I've dated so many cis men and they're like, do you have a penis? What's non-binary? What does that mean? Does this mean I'm gay? Like it's a whole lot of uncomfortable questions that I've had to answer. Well, how do you, how, and do, it's, how do you tackle those questions? I know for a fact I have asked some of those uncomfortable questions, but you know, you know, mine comes from a good place of just wanting to know more, but like, how do you tackle those questions only for yourself? Cause you do work at the Trevor project dealing mm-hmm. with LGBTQ teens. So how do you deal with those questions is from other people. And I guess also from the people you work with. So luckily at work, I don't have to answer these questions mm. because they, it already, is, they already know. Yeah. They already know everything. Like they very much support you. If you feel comfortable sharing your pronouns, like I use they, them pronouns. Like, so I don't get misgendered at work. Like from day one, they knew that my name is Kay. I'm a non-binary trans person. I use they, them pronouns. It's in my email signature. No one has ever misgendered me or gotten my name wrong. Like the only people that know my government name because my name's not legally changed yet is like my manager. And that's strictly because of payroll. Right. Like nobody knows my real, my fault, my legal name. Like, so I'm able, my job is very gender affirming and I don't have to worry about that in the workplace. Whereas I've had other jobs where I've been out at work and they've told me no, that (laughs) I'm like, I use they, them pronouns. My, this is my last job at a restaurant. And they're, I said, I use they, them pronouns and I'm non-binary. And they said, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? No. And they're like, she's like, well, I'm very old fashioned and I just don't believe in that stuff. So then the three months I worked there, they just referred to me as the nice young lady with tattoos all the time. And it killed me. 
That's just rude. It was rude. That's, and- that's just rude. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I was one of those people who was just like, not that not that it's not real, but like it doesn't grammatically make sense. But it's like, no, 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 no. It does. It does. It does. And you're 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 low key the one who's just like, no, no, Will, you're a fucking idiot. And it's like, no, I I end up catch myself. It's like, oh yeah, like in normal speech, I go, oh yeah, that's they them as a pronoun. Um, and Cameron, if I'm not gonna lie, I. Whenever that comes up, like my, my my parents, I use you as an example all, Do you? all the time. It's because it's like all like your life updates, how you identify this, that, and the other. Because like my mom also does some volunteer work because she's retired. Um, and she kind of gets into this because she doesn't understand the they, them pronouns because, you know, she's six in her early 60s. It's mm-hmm. just from a different world, but she's open-minded and like she gets the concept but people get mad at her when she doesn't use the she, her pronouns because that makes her uncomfortable because she doesn't know. She doesn't get it. But what do you she, mean they get when your mom refu- uses she, her pronouns in reference to what herself? No, like it's like if like on an email chain or like when they I, like in, a, in a group circle, they talk, they all say their pronouns. My mom doesn't do it. She doesn't say she, her. She just says, my name's Lisa, right? And then other people got mad at her for not expressing her pronouns. She's just like, I don't want to. That makes me uncomfortable. It's just like, it's not my thing. I'll, ha- I'll if- happily use your pronouns because that's what you want me to do, but she's just not about it. What about sharing her pronouns makes her feel uncomfortable? I think it's just, it's just not how she was brought up and she just doesn't, she just doesn't get it. Like she doesn't, it's just not, she's old. She's older. She's just not in with that kind of, she just doesn't get it. I don't know how so, to explain it, but what makes her uncomfortable, okay. I can't actually answer that. But it's more of just like, I've done this my entire life. Why are you getting mad at me for wanting to change now when I'm, I'm when I'm more than happy to accommodate your pronouns? So I have found in the work, in a professional environment, the option in general, whether it be on your social media bio, your email signature, whatever, like normal, like sharing your pronouns, like is not for cis people. Like, and I don't mean it in the, but not in the sense that cis people shouldn't do it. Cis people absolutely should, because you should never assume somebody's like gender identity. Like people look at me and automatically think I'm a she, her when I absolutely am not. So by sharing your pronouns, it makes it you or she is or whoever is making it a safe space for people who might not necessarily feel comfortable sharing their pronouns to share their pronouns. Mm. Because I don't know, there are a lot of trans people I have spoken to that like have gotten mad at cis people for putting their pronouns in their bio, but like, it's not, it's to normalize that to normalize, not assuming somebody's gender because your mom, like I've never met your mom, but like, obviously like you said yourself and your mom is like in her early sixties. So I'm assuming she looks very cis lady. Like very, you know, she got short hair, but that was, a, that was a style back then. Yeah. So even if she looks like hella cis lady, she might not necessarily use she, her pronouns. So even though it might seem to her like it's obvious that she uses she, her pronouns, mm-hmm. it is not always obvious. Right. But can you understand, like, if someone if someone asked me what my pronouns were, I I, I would be like, well, he, him, but like, but like, why, why would you think otherwise? Like, it's, oh, could you, could you, could you understand why someone would be offended if they're cis and they're very clearly cis, someone would be offended why someone asked them their pronouns? Because there are people like I'm one of these people. My partner is one of these people that right. like we look like cis people. Like I have no intention of. I don't plan on getting top surgery. Which for those listening who don't know, that would be me having a double mastectomy and having my breasts removed. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want that. I don't want to go into uh, testosterone. Like that's not part of my journey. And it's just it is. You can't assume like if people that might look clearly look cis might not be cis so people ask like it's not to to be like asking like oh are you trans it's to make sure that everybody feels respected and validated because some people that look really cis might for whatever reason might not be able to look in the present in the gender they feel comfortable with like well like say like hypothetically like you are a trans woman right? right And you, you like you, she, her pronouns, but like you, for what either aren't safe to physically transition, you can't afford it. You're not sure if that's in your journey because everybody's transition is different. Right. Like it's a long process. Er- 
Yeah. And some people like choose to get like, like surgeries and take hormones and make changes to their body that other people don't. And each journey, each way of expressing your gender is totally valid. So by asking somebody who might to the untrained eye look really cis might not be. Right. That makes sense. So I, 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 it does make sense, but we have a society, right, that's been around forever that this, this, the trans people are not new. Gender identity is not new. Identifying as non-binary is not new. And the idea of a gender as a, as a, as a fluid system is not new. But the pronouns and using them and asking them are new. That is a new thing. And I, right? feel, I think in the next five to ten years, it will definitely be normalized. I, I think over time, it will be more and more or normalized for sure. But could you understand why, like, for example— if you are a trans woman or a man, et cetera, isn't the burden, for lack of a better word, on you to let someone know what your pronouns are because of a system that's been in place forever, this being so new? It depends on the person. Some people don't feel comfortable or safe sharing their pronouns. So like, if I walked up, say I went to a mad Republican, mad cis, mad straight, conservative, trans hating right. event. Yeah. So you wouldn't, like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, Hey, I'm K. My pronouns are they, them. Yeah. Yeah. You, so, you generally feel unsafe. Of course. Yes. So by having it in like, say professional spaces, like in zoom meetings or even on podcasts, like, which is I've, I have not done my due diligence on this. And like, I like the idea of introducing pronouns and stuff at the beginning of podcasts. I forgot to do it today. So that's why I did it in the middle of the fucking show. But that gives people the, the agency to decide, do I want to share my actual pronouns? Do I want to abstain? Like it gives people an option. Like, right. I don't believe pronoun sharing should be mandatory because some people just aren't comfortable. Right. But I don't think that asking somebody like, oh, what are your pronouns is offensive. Like cis, like a lot of cis people that might feel that way, that definitely like scream some internalized transphobia a little bit because of people being afraid that they are being perceived as a trans person. There's a whole, I don't know, there's a whole lot of ugliness and internalized transphobia in our society mm. that we got to like work on. Mm. I see the gears spinning. No, they are, they are <laughs> spinning. No, because that's why I love talking to you, Cameron, because that's something I never thought of. Um, the idea of like, you know, you're assuming, um, say, say that point again, hang on, make you just being, say that point again, you just made one more time about which point about I made the a lot of in, them. In, internalized about a, like, I'm, I'm offended. Someone asked me my pronouns because it's assuming that you think I'm trans. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of cis people will be like, why the fuck would you ask me my pronouns? I'm clearly a woman. Right. Well, not everybody that might look what society expects women to look like might not feel that way. You know, I honestly, I look like a punk rock lesbian most of the time. It's interesting. What, what it makes me think of, like you think of like decades ago, right? Or even like when I was a kid, um, if someone was, if someone perceived me as gay or if someone perceived someone as gay, they'd have the same reaction. Yes. Whereas nowadays, if someone thinks I'm gay, it's like, oh, that's adorable. Right. Or like, I, I, I thought one of my best friends was gay for a long time and he's not, he just, he just loves Lululemon. Right. <laughs> I'm totally on my shoe. Right. But like, like people think he's gay all the time, but he's not offended by it. He just kind of laughs off things. It's hilarious. You know, on the inside, he might be like a little whatever, but like, it's, it's very, it's very similar. I do see a lot of patterns with that between the trans community and the gay community when it comes to, how cis people like react to them in certain ways. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I do. like recognize that there has been, especially in the last like decade or so being gay specifically has become more normalized. Like pride is fucking commercial as fuck now, yeah. which I don't know. There's a whole bunch of discourse about, did I ever sp speak to you about rainbow capitalism? No, please. Actually, maybe, but please. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth because I know exactly where you're going with this. I want you to go first and I'll, I'll go on my rant To make after. sure you're not being offensive. Okay. No, I'm, so, I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. So rainbow, rainbow capitalism is when companies piggyback off the queer experience and throw a rainbow on their logo and add new merch in the hopes of making more money to queer bait to queer folks. Mm -hmm. So 
Rainbow capitalism for me, definitely it's a mixed bag because while a lot of the companies and stuff that are screaming pride, number one, if they're selling pride merch, check to see if they're actually supporting LGBT like communities or like donating to like, not to hype my job, but the Trevor project or like the Ali 40 center or the uh, human rights campaign or local trans communities or LGBT community or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like if they're not donating to something, they're probably just here for the money. Uh, but on the opposite end, rainbow capitalism makes queer culture ex- more accessible to somebody that might be in a little fucking podunk town in this, in the Bible belt. Like I grew up on long Island and I live in the city, New York city now. Like I'm very lucky to live in a neighborhood where I don't feel like I'm going to be jumped for being queer or trans. Whereas some of these kids in like fucking Iowa and shit, the only queer stuff they might see in person is the little, the, the rinky dink pride section in target. And that's important. Like representation is like really important. Like I know will like respectfully, you cannot relate to this because you're a cis straight white dude, but you can watch, you can turn on any movie, any show, any whatever, and you can see yourself in at least one character. Whereas a lot of queer kids, a lot of tra- definitely a lot of trans children, there aren't a lot of people for us to look at. Even now I'm a fucking 30 year old. And while I might, I don't need to like necessarily look up to folks anymore. Like I did as a teenager, there's like minimal non-binary, non-binary representation in like on TV or on shows or anything like I got to do some fucking digging if I want to see some quality queer content. And that's why I watch so much fucking drag race because there are, it's not as easy to find like that show is probably the, some, the most wholesome and like genuine non-binary representation I've ever seen. And I feel fucking seen. And I didn't realize how important it was to feel seen until I actually was. We'll, we'll get into drag. Cause I do definitely want to talk about drag. Cause I actually am a big, I'm not a fan of drag, but I'm definitely a big supporter of the drag industry. Cause I think it's fascinating, but you know, you mentioned like representation in acting and this was a thought I had recently. It was not a light bulb moment. It made me think of you, K Murphy. Um, me and jazz love euphoria. Same. And, um, Jules, like I, like they don't trip tell you that she transitions until like her episode. But yes. uh, like when you first see her, like, you know, pilot, you, you I, had she's, a, I had a feeling. Yes. Right? Um, but, and the actresses, I didn't know the actress herself was trans. She is. Yes. And you know, the whole trans people should play trans roles movement or like ideology or hashtag or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, it struck a new chord with me. Cause it's just like, Oh, like she's not like, it's not, she's acting out being trans. Like it's not like part of her character. It's just, I don't know. It's just something I'm trying to have trouble putting the words, but her performance is more about her character and not so much that she's play, that someone's playing a trans character. You know because I mean? they can, they can look at her as just an actress playing a role. Whereas did you ever see the movie, the Danish girl with Eddie Redmayne? No, but I can like I can think of it with uh, like Dallas Buyers Club with Jared Leto playing mm-hmm. playing. It's the same idea. So so I actually did enjoy the Danish Girl, but all you hear about with that movie is how Eddie Redmayne's like a cis white dude playing a trans woman, how brave he was for playing a trans woman when like tr- trans actors like can barely get work as it is, and yeah. when there when there is a trans part once every year, and you cast a cis person, the fucking sucks. I get it. So, I get. I get it. Well, here's the thing. I came with it's, it's, it's Oscar bait. Like you talk about Dolph Ziggler being Oscar bait and KOTR. That is fucking Oscar bait. Making a cis person play a trans person. That's another thing that totally clicked in my mind. Like too. I was like, oh, like because you think of Oscar performance. Like if someone's if someone like a Jared Leto plays that. I mean, he's he's phenomenal in Dallas Buyers Club. I don't want to take away from his performance. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak on it. He, he but did, I'm sure he was great. He, he did win the Oscar. <laughs> Yes, but a reason. But to your point, a reason he won the Oscar is because he's a straight man playing a transgender woman. I believe. I believe so as well. So, but look, to 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 your point, that's one hundred percent correct. Um, I don't want to say the issue I have, but I guess the one caveat is, you know, acting is acting. The whole point of acting is playing someone else, which I guess is a valid but flawed argument. But also, if you're gonna say trans people should play trans roles, which should sound like a dumb movement. 
Does that mean trans people can't play cis roles? Does it work both and, ways? Like, what's what's your counter to that? I feel like there there are few. It's harder to say because it's not like there's an equality between trans parts and cis parts because there's not. Right. So ultimately, you are going to see more trans people playing cis people, but playing and that's mostly to get work. Like in a perfect world, there would be just as many trans characters as there are cis characters, and then parts can be filled more accordingly. And honestly, I find that like, and I see, you see this with Jules and Euphoria. Like, did you watch the um, the special episodes as well for the holidays? No, I also haven't watched the finale yet, so no spoilers. Okay, 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 okay. Please talk talk to me when you you and Jazz watch it. So yeah. she already I, watched I, it. She's been watching without me. I'm so mad. I wait for her. Wow. I wait for her to make so, her watch it again. <laughs> wow. So I'm my friend Kevin pretty much bullied me into watching it. So I watched all of season one and the first four episodes of season two in 24 hours. Wow. I mean, it is, it's a great show. Let's do a little, do a little side burger into Euphoria. Let's just, let's kind of fan, fan, fanboy and fan person up to, uh, to Euphoria yeah. a little bit. Cause I'm not going to lie, Kay Murphy. Um, I didn't watch season one. I, I, I saw like the, 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 the ads for it when I watched the Sopranos or whatever I watch, I watched like Bill Maher on, on HBO. I had no interest in it. What got me into it, one, Zendaya, cause Spider-Man, she became a yeah. massive, she's a massive star. And two, all the controversy around it from season two with the glorifying drug use. So I was like, all right, I got to check this out. So what do you, what do you think of that? You know, we did you question, did you ever watch Degrassi or Skins? No, but I know, I know, I know all about Degrassi. Oh, so Skins, it originated in the UK. It was Euphoria, but 10 years ago. And Mm -hmm. like, it was not as graphic as Euphoria is. Like the deal with Euphoria, it very often gets booked as a queer show, but like that's not mm. it. It's not no, though. I completely disagree. I also disagree. Like it at at its best, it highlights addiction really well because obviously that's another topic I understand very well. Yeah. And you, and you said you did not watch season one. I no, I I didn't watch season one when it aired. I should correct myself. Oh, I, I, yeah. Me and me and Jazz binged it in like a week. Okay, so every scene, especially like with Ali and Rue in rehab. That's exactly what the rooms are like. Like AA has not been a part of my most of my sobriety because it's too gendered for me. It's too religious. Mm. It's not my mm. thing. But I spent the first four months of my recovery in AA because it was important to me to do it. And I probably wouldn't stay sober without it. But it gave me the tools to stay sober, but I left what I didn't need behind. So there's just a feeling that being in one of those rooms is where it's a little bleak. But it's also a little hopeful because there's so many people in there, different ages, different races, gender, sexualities, like education, like completely different life experiences. But when people speak and share what they're feeling, the bottom line is it's all the same. And there's a common ground there. Like I was very egotistical when I got into fucking recovery and I'm like, I'm special. I'm, I was really fucked up. So like, what I did was justified. Like I was very unhealthy for a very long time and I was dealing with a lot of shit and I use alcohol to cope with it. So I went in fucking thinking that nobody could understand me. I it was very 16 year old emo of me and mm-hmm. night one, um, some man in his like fifties told a story about how he would try to get sober and then it would fail and every time he would just drink worse and worse and it would just be worse. And he talked about like specific things that happened to him. And those were moments and things that I had felt. And then I'm like, wait a moment. Then someone else spoke and the light bulb went off that like, I'm like not a special snowflake and addiction's fucking real and like devastating. So seeing Rue connect with Ali like that, even though they in any other circumstance would not be connected. Like, the rooms work that way. And even down to the fucking going to get pancakes. I used to go get pancakes every Thursday to stay, stay out of the bar. So I do love pancakes. They're now, my favorite food. Luckily I do not have addiction problems. Thank God. Uh, thank God. But it does run in my family, uh, substance abuse as well as alcoholism. Mine too. Um, so in the, I, I can't even really relate to that because I've never seen it. 
You know what I mean? Like you just heard about it. Yeah. Like it's like they, they're all they're, luckily. Well, I should say luckily I've never seen it because they all have gotten help and are sober. Um, That's incredible. So, and they haven't fallen off the wagon and since got college, it's really, it's like, you know, college in the eighties. Um, but it was a severe problem and gambling. Uh, my dad has a very, oh, ha- my dad had a very bad gambling problem. So I know it's public now. Um, but to the point of addiction, um, I'm, I'm going to go to my mom again. She was a, uh, she worked in Brockton Hospital, in Massachusetts at, in the, like, the, the drug unit. And she saw people uh, withdrawing from heroin frequently. And fuck. And like with the, the drug habits and like she, she knows addiction. So euphoria is right up her alley. And cause she worked with these people. Mm-hmm. And she says it's the most, it's one of the most accurate depictions of addiction, how addiction can destroy a life yeah. that she's ever seen. And I'm going to point to that one episode where Rue is withdrawing and she's going absolutely berserk. She's arguing with her mother, like punching her sister, you know, running from the cops, breaking in the houses, stealing, getting caught. It's just very accurate, which is terrifying. It, mm-hmm. That episode made me, that specific episode like I have a pretty high tolerance to trauma, which probably says a lot about me, but also I professionally work in crisis. So I kind of have to. So needless to say, I watched this show very quickly. Some of these episodes I watched during work, which probably really was a bad idea mentally. But anyway, yeah. only a few episodes, like only a few episodes, like really fucking fucked me up. And that one and the one dealing with um the abortion, like fucked me up mm-hmm. like i visibly i physically felt sick because the abortion one in particular that's exactly what it felt like and going through the lowest points of my addiction with alcohol like i'm very lucky that i didn't fall into drugs and that alcohol is my biggest problem and that i didn't steal from anybody but i was a fucking piece of shit i was really rude and inconsiderate and a mess very messy so I often would break down and cry and scream and run away and do all of those things. And I literally watched her do all of those things. And I remember what it felt like to feel that way. Right. It was really hard to stomach. Well, what do you, what do you say to like uh, the dare program and people come out against the show saying it glorifies drug use. It's not like, it's not suitable for like, it's going to encourage drug use. And my thing is this like, well, listen, your kids should not be watching the show. No. Like, I don't, like, maybe, maybe select episodes you show in a health class in high school, senior year. But anything below that, your kids should not be watching the show. No. This is a show for adults. So I don't think it glorifies drug use at all. In fact, I think it does the exact opposite. It makes you one, like, I'm It's never a cautionary tale. Yeah. These, and also, it's like these high school kids having so much fun, uh, but, uh, like, High school's not like that. At least I hope not. But what, no, do, you, what, do, what, I, do, you, what do you say to people saying it glorifies drug use? I agree with you that I don't believe it glorifies drug use. I also feel that young people, any person has free will. Mm-hmm. Any person has the de- decision to make up their minds. So you and I can wa- both watch Euphoria and like you could want to do heroin and I would not. Right. Or, or I would want to... I don't know, fuck somebody and record it. And you might not like different people, not saying we would do these things. Y'all, we won't do these things, but, uh, just peep, just because somebody sees it does not mean they're going to act out and do it. If like, I feel like in general, like our culture is very desensitized to sex and violence Definitely. and drugs, like drugs is a huge part of our culture. And alcohol is also a part of that. And like, look at every high school movie. It talks everybody, every high school movie has a party and everyone, and somebody gets really fucking drunk. Like to the point of being incapacitated and passed out. But usually it'll be made fun of like somebody will draw on the drunk person's face or they'll do stupid shit or they'll have a lampshade on their head. Like, I feel like young people can decide for themselves and a TV show is not going to be the main factor in doing drugs. 
That's a very good point. I can't see someone going, you know what? I wasn't going to do heroin until I saw Euphoria. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure there's one or two. Yeah, it's three like, million people in this country. I'm sure there's one. But that thing's, oh, Euphoria, if it went well on Euphoria, I'm sure it'll go well for me. But it doesn't go but, well on Euphoria. That's the thing. No. Yep. Like, here's the thing. Nobody in that show is likable. Other than like Lexi and Fez. But Fez is a drug dealer with Fez- a gun. Fez is my favorite fucking character on the show. Me too. I love him. He's the best. You're confused. I'm fucking confused. <laughs> you fucked Jewel? <laughs> I keep calling him Jewel. <laughs> Who the fuck is Jewel? So, all right. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Fe- okay, Fez is my favorite character. Least favorite character? Uh, definitely Maddie. Not Maddie. Uh, Cassie? Cassie. Um, my least favorite is Nate Jacobs because he is terrifying. And... He reminds me of men I dated, and it's again not nice to watch. He is, Euphor- a, he is a sociopath. Oh, for sure, he gives me very Patrick Bateman vibes. It's just like it's just funny when um like him and Maddie or him and Cassie are arguing. It's like they're both like they're both right in their arguments, but then they're still together. It's like you yeah. they, they both it's it's just how toxic again. Toxicity in a relationship, even like toxic relationships, we all know plenty of people with toxic relationships. It's like that's so accurate. Yeah, dude, I could write a fucking book on toxic relationships. Like, this is I'm in a healthy relationship for the first time in my life, and it's been genuinely shocking of how low my bar was Mm. because people and relationships can be so shitty. And people are manipul can be manipulative and cruel and abusive. Like, and Euphoria handles it really, really well, down to the point where Maddie gets fucking choked out and still is sneaking off every weekend to fuck him in the hotel yep. and is standing behind her man. Yep. That that's 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 how it happens. That's exactly how it happens. And you can you can one up it too, like uh in, in real life where the man just won't let her leave. And she's physically and mentally and emotionally trapped. Yes. And that's what's, that, that's what would happen to Maddie if they end up getting married. Um, yes. Like, it's it's crazy. Uh, I've been watching this. Sh- well, I just finished it on Netflix. It's a four-part series on Ken, uh, Ken Burns and some other woman did it on uh, College Behind Bars is what it's called. Oh, wow. And it's New York State Penitentiary. A uh, few colleges have this system completely privately funded where they take a few prisoners uh, up to, I think it's up to 50 in a class, graduating class, and they get it, they get associates you know, or, or bachelors. They go to college and they're That's taking good. real courses. And it's like, these, th- it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Like these, these students and prisoners are very well educated. All of them went into prison when they were 16. So super mm-hmm. young, but there was this one woman because they cover male, male and female prisons. There's one woman who was in an abusive relationship, um, beat her, and then her one fear was she was going to beat her kid. And there was a two-year-old daughter, and he ended up, according to her, um, woke up one morning, and like he, he was like angry in one of his moods, like wanted pancakes or something, took, took the two-year-old downstairs. Next thing the, the mom knows that she has a thud and her baby's, the two-year-old's just, like, knocked on the floor, get to an ambulance, get to a hospital. The baby dies. Um, oh, my God. And the the mom and, obviously, the dad are brought to, to, to jail, see what the hell happens. And she ends up getting a, a false confession. The police get a false confession out of her, and she goes to jail for it. That's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Riddle me that. Ugh, that's that's, that's right. just that's just, it starts from a cycle of abuse and he didn't go to jail for that he ended up murdering someone else a few years later and doing 30 years wow but according to her uh, if you believe her story and i do that she never put a hand on her child but the cop pretty much coerced her and she was just in such a stupor where she was just like fuck it i did it and she signed a paper saying she did it wow the cops do that all the time it's yeah crazy I hate the cops. Well, okay, you work you work with the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit. Um, you should look into the Innocence Project because the Innocence Project is someone who does tries to fight for people who are wrongfully convicted and get them released. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, like they are, and the guy, the guy who founded it has been on Joe Rogan's podcast like three or four times. Rogan's, it's like, I want to bring you on quarterly and just have updates with these people. So I think late last year, he had him on as well as one of the prisoners. They got free. Um, and it's just like the stories these people tell is crazy. But you know something I know who works in nonprofits is something who would get behind a cause like that. So what made you want to work for nonprofits specifically? Like, I know because you, you, you work for nonprofits. Trevor Project, first off, explain what the Trevor Project is, how you got to work there, and why you like working with nonprofits specifically. Okay, so we're going to go on a whole long story. and this go is for it. Of, All right. So I'm, I'm very high now, so this is going to be good. Um, hopefully no one from the Trevor Project hears this. Um, so... In 2020, right before COVID, I was working in a restaurant, the same restaurant that ignored me being non-binary. So when lockdown happened, um, we all were taken off the schedule. And then, so I was out of job, I was out of work. I was on unemployment for the first time in my life. Like I've been working since I'm 16. Mm -hmm. I was 28, freaking out. And a few weeks later, I guess for months or I don't know anymore how long it was, but when they restaurants were doing like just the to-go orders and stuff, they posted my position on Instagram and I never heard from them again. And I knew she, yeah, I knew she didn't like me. I knew from the get-go, she thought I was annoying and she thought I was inefficient. And she said that she hired me because I worked at Starbucks for eight years and I had like several years of retail management. Like I was my job before that job, I was the assistant manager of a T-Mobile. And so I came very well recommended and I didn't meet her expectations. And she straight up told me that based on my experience, she thought I would be better than she thought I'd be much better than I actually was. Like she she constantly tried to gaslight me into, and this, I don't like using that word, but like, this is genuinely gaslighting. She tried to like convince me that I was giving incorrect change because my drawer was always short because there was a server fucking stealing who killed a guy, by the way. Um, <laughs> I worked with this girl at this fucking restaurant and she went to jail because she was high on drugs and she ran over an old man and killed him. So this bitch was stealing from the tills. Um, so as a result, my till would be short. So my boss would convince me that I was giving the wrong change and like convince, and I'm not bad with change at all. I've been in retail since I'm 16. I'm not an idiot. Like, and so she would dock my, my tips would get docked all the time to recoup the losses that weren't even my fault. So, but there was never good enough reason to fire me. Then the world locks down and that was, that was my out. She's like, well, I never have to call this bitch ever again. So I freaked the fuck out during COVID and I started taking graphic design classes and I started doing the social medias for Russell Act Radio and Kings of the Rings. And I was just trying to figure myself out because I am now locked in my house, living with my parents on Long Island, not knowing what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I need to fucking figure it out. So I just kind of put, put a bunch of ha different hats on to see what would fit. And in May, 2020, I don't know what brought me. I don't remember what brought me here. It was definitely a high thought, but I was applying. I had applied for an internship with the human rights campaign. I made it to the final round of interviews was not selected. I also had just accepted in February of 2020, 2020. Maybe, I think, or 2021. I also well, volunteered. It would, been, it would have been 2021 because February 2021 is when it just started. So we would have still been working at the uh, restaurant. Thank you. So February 2021, I was volunteering with a, uh, I volunteer with a nonprofit called the Out Foundation, and they support um, LGBTQ Mormon um, students of Brigham Young University. It is the weirdest part of my life. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an interesting combo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, I, my gears are spinning. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, we ran into a group of Mormons on the cruise that were very fun. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was never Mormon. I never lived in Utah. And so I've been to like out foundation outings in New York. And they're like, do you go to BYU? I'm like, no. They're like, are you Mormon? I'm like, no. They're like, the wire. They're like, are you from Utah? I'm like, no. They're like, I'm like, I live in Queens. So they're like, then why are you here? I'm like, I answered an Instagram ad and they said yes. 
So I was just trying to do a whole bunch of things. I wanted to like give back to my community because one of the things that I really honed in on during lockdown was like queer theory. And I, I wanted to originally go back to school for gender studies, but ultimately felt psychology would be more beneficial because it would help me help others overall better. So I decided to apply for the Trevor project as a volunteer counselor. And it's a fucking rigorous ass, like screening process. And I didn't think I'd get picked. Like I'm just this person that just works in retail most of their life and podcasts. Like I have no, I'm fucking 30 years old. I don't have a degree yet. So like there, I figured there's no way in hell they'd pick me and they did. So I started training in December of 2020 and March, 2022 will mark one full year of me, like being a counselor in general, mm. but it's like a really fucking rigorous training process. And they like fucking vet the shit out of you to make sure you are like a good fucking person. Well, of course. That, like, I mean that, that they, they have to, you're, you're, yes. you're, a, you're a counselor to teenagers for, is it specifically for suicidal it's crisis intervention. Okay. So suicide prevention is a part of that, but we, I, crisis can mean anything. Right. So whether it be somebody that's suicidal, somebody going through a breakup, somebody, I often talk to young people about navigating gender identity. We talk about breakups, um, anything really. It could be even something as, what might seem as trivial as, oh, I'm mad at my mom because she took away my Xbox. Right, but at the point, my, point being, if you're dealing with potentially suicidal issues, you need to be trained and vetted to make sure mm -hmm. you can handle that. Cause otherwise, you know, you don't want to be responsible. Yeah. Even if you're not so, physically responsible. Yeah. So I literally the first night I had on the lines, I felt, I fell in love with the work like that immediately. And I've never like connected with a job like that before. I've always worked jobs I hated or didn't mind. Like I worked at GameStop for three years. It was fun. I worked at a Halloween store for like six months. That was fucking rad. Um, worked in a hair salon for a couple of years. Hated it. Um, worked at Starbucks for eight years. Really fucking hated it. My first job was a Wendy's. Like, what'd you do to the hair salon? Did you cut hair? I, I was an assistant. Okay. Copy, copy. Okay. So I went to beauty school. I graduated beauty school. I graduated 10 years ago, but I never went, took my state board. So I am not a licensed hairdresser, mm. but I often do hair in my house. I did my fresh undercut. That was me. So like fucking, I've done a lot of things and tried to diff uh, try different things. And I tried to make them work. Like I tried to convince myself that being a hairdresser was the right move for me. And I hated it. I hated it a month into school, but I made myself stick with it. Cause you're like, you, you spent, you put in for a fucking student loan. You're going to finish, you're going to graduate. You're going to like it. And I didn't like it. And I just kind of floundered. So I figured during lockdown, like this is my opportunity to not fucking flounder anymore. Like I'm done with it. So night one on the lines, I fell in love with the work. Like it's my job is really fucking hard right. and um, emotionally exhausting. Like I've had chats that like, let's just say didn't end well. And that is very hard to reconcile with, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, like I've had young people like, like lives were saved or yeah. they leave and just left feeling better. So I knew from volunteering three hours a week, I'm like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I figured I'll volunteer for a few years, like let them get to know me and maybe I can get a job. Few years, so Kay, come on now. I didn't know. So, cause keep yeah, in mind, you're very I talented. We've got to talk about businesses and, and, and deal making. <laughs> well, I, be, the, the, my reasoning being like, as a volunteer counselor, you work three hours a week. Right. Which is, which is not a lot. It's not work. Else, right. Yeah. It's, it's not work. So I wouldn't be as, and I even noticed this since I got hired, like I, my performance as a counselor is night and day changed. Right. Like I was, I was very good as a volunteer. But like, still, like yeah, you, got, you, you got the reps in. Yeah, you got better at it. Oh, for sure. Of course, of course. So, so besides that, I wanted to, you know, like get a degree in psychology or something equally beneficial. I wanted them to like find me to be a valuable candidate. And on paper, I wasn't a valuable candidate, at least in my opinion. So May 2021, um, I see, I don't know what happened. I was really stoned and decided to go on the Trevor Project website. And I see a sign that says we're hiring. And then I click on it and I see that they are hiring for my position. Hmm. And I text my friend and I'm like, 
Trevor's hiring. Do I shoot my shot? And he's like, yes. And I applied. And a month later I got a phone call saying that I was hired. They like loved me. Like not to like bragging, but like, I'm really good at my job. Hey, brag away. I'm really good at my job too. I remember, I remember you telling us, uh, me and Ricky and I, that is pronouns pal. Uh, about your interview and you're like yeah i already volunteer for you guys like i already work for you guys like what do you mean like hire me (laughs) and like it like they i i impressed them in the interview and shit and like nothing i fucking i'm terrible in interviews as you can see i ramble or i answer the question incorrectly like i never understood that there's a game and going on job interviews well good thing k murphy's podcast isn't an interview this podcast is just two friends talking so thank goodness rambling is the best thing to do. And we could ramble all night, but I see that clock is ticking down closer. Um, and I got one final thing to say before we go, because I know you do have to be out here by nine o'clock. Oh, Kay Murphy. I I love being friends with you so much. I love being friends with you. This, for so many different reasons. Like, I don't normally kiss the ass of, my, uh, of all my guests, at least not too much, I don't think. But I'm going to kiss yours a little bit, because a little bit of a humble brag as well. You started out, for those who don't know, Kay Murphy started out as a fan of the Kings of the Rings podcast. They were someone who just listened to our show, listened to my voice, Dave's voice, Ricky's voice, and ending up forming a faction um, of three women, of course, and Kay Murphy, known as the Valkyrie. Oh, and goodness. when we, when that formed, I remember me, Dave, and Ricky sat down with us like, this is the coolest thing that could ever happen. Cause you know, like one day I want to get Mr. Fretz on this podcast. Cause he's another fan um, mm-hmm. who's also a friend. So the fact that you saw as a fan of the podcast, a guest of the podcast, someone we knew. And then when Dave, unfortunately had to step down, me and Ricky were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll think of like, we'll have people on just in case, but we both looked at each other at the same time and went, no, we want K Murphy, but we'll do other people just in case something crazy happens. And the rest is history. You know, I meet you. Uh, in person, I see you at the 7-Eleven next to Napoli's on Hem- in Hempstead. And it's just the biggest bear hug. I think I might have done the twirl around even. Because uh, it's just mm-hmm. like so happy. I think you were the one that, I think you were the first fan. No, Danny was. You were the second fan I ever met in person. Um, and then, you know, my life changes that next Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go through unemployment, still doing the podcast, get the job. Like I do this. This is all that. I've grown. You've grown. And you're, you continue to make me grow and learn as a person. This is for being who you are in your perspectives. Because um, you're very smart. You're very intelligent. You. And the way you handle things that make you uncomfortable. I know there's different times I've asked questions like Carson and I've had where you've clearly been uncomfortable. Maybe even a little pissed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, oh, for sure. But you handle it incredibly well. Thank you. Sometimes you just don't say anything. <laughs> so that's like, that's a and key. That's, and that's sometimes better for y'all. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, you listen, you hear my point, And even mm-hmm. if you disagree with you, like, it's fine. It's never like a fuck you will. Or you've, you've never once called me a transphobe or a homophobe or any kind of phobe. Because you're not. Right. Of course. You might not always get it, but that doesn't mean you're not actively trying and working on it and trying to learn. Right. And I love it because I get to I get to pass what you pass me on to other people, even That's if they cool. don't get it. Even if I have a tough time explaining it. It's it's just it's cool. It's something. I, it's something that just that I just I fucking love, and I'm honored to have you as a friend. And I love you so much. And I'm so happy you are a co-host and a friend on the King's Wings podcast. I love you so much. That was really nice. I was in a really bad mood before I came on the show, so like that just like made my fucking night. Oh. So thank you. Literally the opposite of feeling like a good friend and like I'm the shit. So like. It's just wild. Our story is so fucking crazy. It's I know. so crazy and it's only going to get crazier. Oh, I know. Especially like the older we're getting, like the more like we're all getting our shit together. Like the three of us, I think all moved in the same year. Ricky and I moved in the same month. Yep. Um, We're all not, we're all in relationships now. Yep. Like we all have, we all found jobs that like we love doing and are good at. Yeah. And we're, and we, I feel like I've really figured our shit out, like as co-hosts together. Yeah. Like I know uh, Jazz has two gay friends and uh, I can't wait for their wedding. Whenever they decide to get married, it's going to be the best thing ever. But 
Above that, K. Murphy, I can't wait for your wedding. I think it's just going to be the silliest, craziest, wackiest yep. thing, like in the middle of a forest <laughs> kind of wedding. You know what's wild? My wedding Pinterest board has a lot of Lord of the Rings shit on oh it. Oh, my God. I love it. I so love I, it. I want, like, my wedding band is going to be the fucking one ring. Like, I'm calling my bridal party the Fellowship of the Ring. <sighs> like. Oh, Yes. Hold on. I got more. Hold on. Let me pull my fucking Pinterest board. Like, I got Lord of the Rings shit in my vows. Did I ever tell you, like, if my didn't matter what I would want to do? What would you do? I would just leave the country, go to New Zealand, and live as a hobbit. That sounds so nice. Like, you know, like, they have, they have the Shire there. Like, the whole like, the, the set. I just want to live on the set. I want to live in Bag End. I want to live in Bag End. So, in my wedding vows, I want one ring to bring them all and in marriage bind them. Oh, that's awesome. Like, my wedding, I feel like, is going to be half nerd, half, like, goth. Like, I yeah. feel there's a very good chance I wear a black wedding dress. That's why I love it, Murphy. You're so, you're just, you're so fucking different. <laughs> you do. Like, <laughs> everything is different. I like I don't know. I maybe I have a feeling there's a I could be coerced into with a white a white dress if it's the, like the right one. Like I'm open to it, but like yeah. my soul feels like it's going to be a black dress. I'm going to wear spark, sparkly Doc Martens. I want a leather jacket that says mix whatever my last name will end up being. Yeah. Um and like it's going to be the weirdest wedding in the world and I want it. <laughs> I think I, I don't like I know the tra- the traditions of weddings. I'm just like listen, like I see all the shit my 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 brother's going through. I hear all the shit that your friends are going through with their wake. Like, every mm-hmm. every every time I've ever heard about someone playing a wedding, it's stressful. Never, it's never been a good experience. I'm just like, how about we just don't do that? Let's just not have a rehearsal dinner. Like why? Right? Like I feel like you're barely gonna know what's going on anyway. And I feel like a lot of the rehearsal dinner stuff, like especially for ceremony, can be hashed day of. Right. Unless you have, unless you're a fucking psycho and have like an 11 a.m. wedding, right? I don't know. I fucking hate people to get married in the morning. Like that's rude. Yeah, yeah. Like the the, the church 10 a.m. The reception's at like Ugh. six. You're like, what am I gonna do in the middle of the day? Luckily, only one of my friends have gotten married in a church. Only my cousin and my brother will, but I'm not. I'm not getting married in the church. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not religious, so like, I want to get married. I'm gonna get married in like a fucking. I don't know where I would get married realistically. I want to get married on a lake. It's giving me Anakin and Padme. Yeah, right? Like some, I love like a, some that. nice lake upstate or wherever I end up living. But K. Murphy, well, there'll be plenty of time to talk about lakes, weddings, drag I gotta, race, Lord of the Rings. I will sh- well, I'll show you off air um, where my friends got married actually would be perfect oh, the, for your the, fantasy. The, the barn? Gilbertsville, yes. Okay, yeah, send me. Send me all those. But K. Murphy, that'll wrap it up. Anything you want to plug, your Twitter, Kings of the Rings, Trevor Project, anything you guys say, the floor, my friend, is yours. Alrighty. So if you want to follow our podcast, Kings of the Rings podcast, you can follow us across all social media platforms on YouTube and on Twitch at KOTR underscore podcast. You can find that on Russell Addict Radio at Russell Addict Radio on Twitter. And I believe at, no, I'm sorry. It's at Russell Addict Radio on Instagram and then at Addict underscore Russell on Twitter. I think, right, Will? That, Maybe. Sounds, that sounds right. Th- that sounds right. I didn't do the social media for like a year or anything. Um, you can follow my job, The Trevor Project. Um, you can go on their website, thetrevorproject.org. You can donate to them. If you would want to volunteer for them, you can apply to volunteer on their website. And if you know anybody that is struggling, you can refer LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24 to us and we will listen to them. Um, I don't think I have anything else to plug. I don't think um, my Animal Crossing Island is thriving. I just opened a diner. I, I totally forgot to talk about, okay, okay, K. Murphy, you, you have to come back in a few months so we can talk about Animal Crossing. <laughs> oh, that's right, you played it. Yeah, oh. yeah, I've, I've been playing it. I'm addicted, so we'll- Send me, send me your codes and shut up. I will. Send me your codes I so we will. can play. What, what, what fruits do you have on your island? I'm a native peach island. Fuck, I'm also a native peach island. Well, I have I have an orchard with all the fruits. Okay, perfect. I need all those fruits. I only have peaches. Okay. Oh, yeah, come over. I'll give you all the fruit. All right, we'll get that all sorted out. But ladies and gentlemen, my name, of course, is Will Tarashuk. The Tarashuk, and talking with Tarashuk, it's T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. Yes, K. Murphy. I forgot to plug my social media. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. And you can follow me across 
all social media platforms at the K Murphy, T H E K A E Murphy. Sorry, Will. I'm not uh, good at it. outros. We know this. I, I have, I, you're going to love this one. I used actually, it's the biggest podcast. So I do it all in one breath. If I can, it's just a lot of silliness. Let's Oof. see. If, let's see if I can do it. No, I can't do it. I got to sit up right. All right. Uh, t- Posture, <laughs> the talking with Tara. Diaphragmatic breathing. Diaphragmatic breathing, William. Fuck, I'll do the outro in the double box. Tears and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, <laughs> the Talking with Tara podcast can be found anywhere and everywhere podcast can be found. My favorite place is ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Where all of my other podcasts, including Biggest Podcast, which my talk to podcasts is about their podcasts, as well as Kings of the Rings podcast, all of Wrestle Act Radio, WrestleMania, the YLP, uh, what used to be Mantis Show, many, many more, all of our partners. If you want to work with me or be a guest on this podcast, email me at will at APSpodcast.com. That is will at APSpodcast.com. And if you make me go, ooh, that's interesting. Congratulations. You're on the show. K Murphy makes you go, ooh, every Wednesday when we, Wednesday? Every Wednesday at 8 o'clock when we are live on YouTube for the Kings of the Rings podcast. All my shenanigans. Yes, K Murphy. But don't forget that 7, don't forget that 7.30 Meat Slapping Majesty pre-show yeah, on YouTube 7, and Twitch. 7.30 for the Meat Slapping Majesty pre-show and also on Twitch. But yeah, I'll be back next time talking with, I don't know, another friend. Who knows? We'll see. Talking about, I don't know. This is fun. I didn't have any notes down because it's a podcast. When I asked you, someone asked me, what's a podcast? This. This is a podcast. Congratulations. We'll go start one. All right. Just like that. We are clear. That was really fun. Hey, that was great, Kay. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun with that. That was really, really fun.